2: Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for being with us. And oh it's it it says here I'm Kelly McDonald with Toronto. Wow. Um this is a strange voice ladies and gentlemen. I Oh Ramya then. <laughs> it's been a while. Welcome back to the show. Don't tell me you couldn't recognize me. No, at, at fr- I was too much waiting for the sports dude to start oh, speaking.
1: Oh, right. Well, I do sound different name?
2: than... Which we do appreciate you, boy, for being with us for the last week, uh, holding down the fort. But welcome back, Ramya. How's things? How are you feeling?
1: Thank you. Yeah, just recovering from a head cold. I'm feeling much better. But you know, at the end, it's always a bit of congestion, a bit of coughing. So if I don't answer you, don't take it personally. It's because I've turned off my mic and I'm having a bit of a cough, okay?
2: Which means for those of us who can't see it all, folks... She could have left for all I know. Yeah. That's what could happen. If it's Those happened for an hour it,
1: straight that I'm gone.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of that embedded description that we're so famous for over here at AMI. Mm-hmm. Uh do you feel like when you're sick, head cold, or or especially we know there's a lot of respiratory things gone. Is it worse when it's we've got a nice balmy day here in this part of southwestern Ontario? Uh, do you find it worse on a day like today or when it's colder? Or does it matter because really you're inside and it's just the dryness of the heat and everything?
1: I think the dryness is probably what would get me the most, Mm -hmm. especially by the end of it. I start to feel, you know, like I need humidity. But I don't know because you're right. I don't really check the weather outside or go out at all. Like we're all very, you know, COVID conscious. So even if you don't have COVID, you're thinking of the same things you were doing in that time frame, right?
2: Well, we always say a, a summer cold they're horrible, right? And yes. a lot of time, you don't know if it's allergy, if it's a cold. And again, I'm sure some people can speak to that being the same in the wintertime, but I always used to hear that, oh, oh, it's a summer cold. I had one once that started around June 4th and stayed there till like September what? after Labor Day. All it was summer? ridiculous. All oh, summer? That would be and making course, me so mad. Well, I kept thinking, oh, this has got to just be mix of allergies and cold, or I keep re-getting it, something or other, but Uh, glad you're feeling better well let's start putting you to work since you're back here in the fold let's see what's coming up today on the program greg david he's going to be chatting tv as usual with us this week he breaks down the top five best british detective shows available to us
1: There are more than a couple winter festivals and activities going on in New Brunswick so as per usual our community reporters over there uh, this time Marisa Hersey Meisner joins us with the details.
2: Well we're going to get into some business planning because you know what folks it's a little easier than you might think and here's the good news it's easy to get started. Entrepreneur Kevin Shaw will be joining us and he'll explain what he means by this. That'll happen in hour two right here on the program. So we have a countdown today that is on, ladies and gentlemen, and we are at minus thirty seconds for this, folks. You have got to get on board. Of course, uh, we're talking our dream big contest, Rumya. This contest closes today, so you've got Ooh. to get in on this, ladies and gentlemen. And this is your t- a chance to win that uh, temper Pro Adapt mattress. You know, Ramya, we've we've had so many people, Brock and others going to check the fine print. So we know those associated with the company eh, eh, can't get in can't on that. Can't do it.
1: He checked. Sorry okay. about
2: your lo- Oh, you know he checked. Um, <laughs> and I know some of our committee reporters checking it out as well. Sorry, guys. We've got to keep enough runway for all those people out there who want to be a part of this. Now, Tempurpedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material uh, to kind of uh, help you with your, uh, you know, it adapts to your weight, shape, and temperature uh, offering, of course, unmatched comfort and support. Any rules? And, of course, that chance to uh, apply there, folks. You got to do it today. We'll remind you later before the show. Go to ami.ca slash contest and get in on this. Also, get in on our book of the month, folks. Ramya, give us the details since you're back. What are we reading this month?
1: Oh, man, and I totally broke all the rules and already finished reading this book. I think I'm going to have to do a second take. It was so good, guys. Highly recommend it. Okay, it's called, it gets you right at the title, too. It calls I'm Glad My Mom Died, and it's by Jeanette McCurdy, released last year, still trending, and it's recommended to us by Nisreen Abdel-Majid. Now, I don't know if Nisreen was a fan of iCarly, because this is um, narrated and written by the co-star of iCarly, the character played... Sam. So anyways, it's available in human narration on CELA, it's available on Audible, and it's a memoir by uh, Sam and Cat star and iCarly star Jeanette McCurdy about her struggles as a former child actor including eating disorders, addiction, and a complicated relationship with her overbearing mother and how she retook control over that life. Wow. Jeanette was six years old when she had her first acting audition and her mother's dream was for her only daughter to become a star, and Jeanette would do absolutely anything to make her mom happy. In I'm Glad My Mom Died, Jeanette recounts her experiences in unflinching detail, just as she chronicles what happens when the dream finally becomes reality. Uh, she's riddled with anxiety, shame, self-loathing, all of which she recounts very candidly in the book. We're going to talk about it on the last Tuesday of the month, which is February 28th, with Nisreen and Kelly and myself. And if you want to send your comments after reading this book, please feel free, and we'll include that in the commentary, one 4545 or send an email to, uh, what is it, Kelly and kellyandromia at ami.ca.
2: Can't stand the title. So I'm anxious to pick up the book and see You'll where that comes from. Wow. Uh, we will uh, get to that read after the show, but right now, lots of program ahead. Grant Hardy joins us next, and he has uh, got the latest in health, lifestyle, and accessibility for us in mere moments. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Well, we're back. Starting the program off today on your Wednesday, straight right in the middle of the week. Remember, we're here from 2 to 4 PM Eastern Time. Repeat of the show. 10 p.m. Eastern time. Check us out that way. And you can catch us on AMI-audio and AMI-tv uh, when it's convenient for you. We appreciate having you ride along wherever you are listening in around the world. Maybe you're stationed over there at AMI.ca. So absolutely tremendous to have you uh, with Ramya and I today. She's at the Toronto studios. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario, in his studio at home. Grant Hardy now joining us. And we're going to be talking to health, and the latest Accessibility.
3: Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramiat.
2: There he is. Hello, Mr. Hardy. Welcome back.
3: Hello, folks. Thanks for having me on.
2: How's uh, your Wednesday looking?
3: Uh, We are doing... Pretty,
2: hmm, pretty Wednesday-ish, I'd say. Mm. Pretty, what day of pretty... the week do you find you check in the most? Is it Wednesday or is it Monday morning that feels like you have to do the biggest check-in on yourself? Or Friday when you say, hey, have I got everything done now? Can I, like, clear my mind for the weekend?
3: Well, I, I'm going to say Wednesday, to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah the Tuesday or, or Wednesday the for sure. I think by by Thursday you're kind of getting into, like, ah, uh, we're getting towards the weekend, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: Wednesday's is the yeah. halfway point.
2: Yeah. yeah, is it more like a, a check in to be sure of where you're at before you get on that hill and say, "Oh, I've accomplished a lot. I can kind of go downhill from here." Or is it still there's still a, a ways to go? Oh my gosh, I'm behind, Ramya. Don't you feel that way on Monday? <laughs> oh, for sure. But are I've you supposed, to feel, <laughs> yeah,
1: supposed to... to feel that way no, on
2: Wednesday? You're not supposed to feel that way on Wednesday.
3: Sorry, feel that way more on Wednesday. On Monday, I'm kind of like. It's Monday. There's lots of time. We're just kind of getting started. You know, we're doing our the, uh, coffee. We're doing our little Monday morning meeting. we got
2: lots of time. Wednesday is You run out like, of time on Wednesday, right? You yeah, start recognizing like, oh, how... No way. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Why didn't I just do that on a Monday? <laughs> Grant, where do you want to start today, sir? Okay. So, I did find an article in Well Plus Good, and we're not talking about time management today, but we are talking about money management. So, obviously, the everyday money realities when you're cohabitating and coexisting and figuring out how to pay for college, how to repay your loans, how to get out of debt, what kind of retirement you want, uh, and how you're going to afford it, plus just the everyday realities of why did you buy this from the grocery store when we could have gotten this Mm. cheaper are super important. And if you don't outright ask your partner, potential partner before you get married or enter a common law marriage, some important money questions, you are, get this, as they say, gambling. Oh, wow. Wow. So they say, uh, leading with curiosity, not judgment, can make these conversations less vulnerable, and they lay out a few different questions that I thought might be kind of interesting to discuss, and then I'm going to ask you for your very personal and private answers to these questions no i'm kidding but i thought it might be interesting to go over these uh the first question is to ask them what their financial life was like growing up so much of how we approach spending and saving money is deeply rooted in the meaning we assign to it to understand the meaning of money to your partner it's important to ask about the climate in which they grew up Uh, the financial beliefs and behaviors of those who raised us have a big impact on how we deal with money in adulthood. For example, growing up in an environment where money was always tight might have led your partner to embrace a scarcity versus abundance mindset as an adult and to prioritize saving over spending uh, or uh, quite the opposite. This kind of reminds me of, um, oh, what's that movie called? What's that movie called? The Family Man, where that the guy, the businessman finds out what would have happened. Yes, yes. If he had, yeah, you know, the mm-hmm. movie I'm talking about stayed with his former girlfriend. And I just remember there's this one scene where they're sort of figuring out how they're going to buy like food for the week or something. And he's like, oh, I really want this multi-thousand-dollar business suit <laughs> you can just see his partner kind of kind of seething cringing what uh, cringing yes
2: uh but you know grant i understand what you mean as you like read that question how do you say it without either being but coming off as judgy like i mean in a situation like the example Okay a person may say well yeah we really had to scrimp and we but if you felt or knew oh my parents were terrible with money they mm-hmm. invested in things that mm-hmm. crashed or they went through money like water if you you know kind of okay oh my gosh that probably wasn't so great what do you mean you know it's true, uh, it, it, it has to be asked very sensitively
1: and it can also be a follow up question you know um, sometimes just picking up on patterns in your life or in your partner's life like are they the first to pull out the card at the end of a meal are <laughs> they the first to uh, offer you know and, and things like that and follow up from those circumstances and say hey like was your mom like this was your dad like this <laughs> because I agree you're, it can be very sensitive talking about money in any yep, circumstance sure. but you can notice right that uh like even before you get into the questions and conversations about debt or any of that, why certain patterns would lead you to presume that these could be challenging.
3: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, you guessed correctly. The next question, do you have any debt? (laughs) Because Uh, uh, it says, well, you may not be liable for debts with a partner incurred before marriage, uh, depending on common law and where you live, you may be, Mm -hmm. Uh, knowing whether a partner is currently paying off student loans, car loans, credit cards, a a $100,000 Mercedes, I guess that's something that would be hard to hide, Uh, or other debt is... all necessary uh, to know. Not only does having debt affect their credit score and, in turn, your mutual ability to get approved for loans as well as their ability to contribute to regular expenses, it could also signal a propensity to amass more debt down the line during a marriage, uh, at which point you would be legally on the hook and possibly with joint funds as well.
1: Yeah, my debt is your debt does not look good. (laughs) It doesn't sound good for the premise of a relationship. But that's what happens, right? Like, you uh, can end up taking on your partner's debt and things like that after marriage, which... If you didn't look at the signs or, even worse, didn't know at all some of the debt they were carrying, that is very problematic.
2: Yeah, and if you get too private where you say, well, you know what, you keep your account, your your debt problems are yours, not mine, and and try to go through that, that that already starts a a, a real load of of hurt when you're you're supposed to be a unit.
1: And exactly, how does that affect, you know, future home buying together or vehicle buying or investments uh, when you say, well, your debt is your debt, my debt is my debt, but... We both have to contribute to these other things. Oops.
3: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I brought this up on the, uh, we had a little meeting earlier and I was mentioning what I would talk about uh, today and our producer said, oh, this might be good, you know, with Valentine's Day coming up. <laughs> and at first I was like, yeah. And then I'm kind of like, okay, maybe this uh, is not the conversation you have over dinner at, at Valentine's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but definitely before... Uh, married. Uh, how do you split your expenses and other financial responsibilities? Kind of aligns with the previous one, but whether you combine your finances and split all expenses down the middle, split them unevenly, or keep things some separate at others joint is ultimately a personal decision. Uh, there's no right or wrong way, but it's definitely something that you have to work out. I would also. Uh, As someone who has never been married and is therefore not an expert on this at all. So take my words with a huge brick of salt. uh, It also really strikes me personally that like having your own disposable income, if you can afford it at the Mm -hmm. the time, obviously economic realities are different, but like if I want to go out and spend, you know, like nine 99 on an app or something and you have a little bit of disposable money, like, wouldn't it be great to have some disposable money that you don't have to yeah. kind of justify to your partner?
2: Yeah, and, and don't feel guilty accessing and wanting to use it for what what some would say. Well, that's a selfish need. That's a, you know, but everybody is allowed their their freedoms, their entertainment. Um, but I think that especially if you're working together, you you'd, I would imagine you'd, you'd budget yourselves so that, or at least check in, especially something high high price if you decide, I don't think we need a pool table for the basement. <laughs> you know, the, I think that those are those things you kind of run by each other. And again, I don't know what the level of, hey, we both make good money. Where's that level where you don't check in? You, you know, your partner pulls into the driveway and, hey, there's a new Mercedes sitting there. <laughs> you know, does it bother them? Do they just get it out? It's oh, hours well.
1: to share. Yeah,
2: it's hard. Can I get the keys and can I try it out? Well, no. <laughs> Didn't you have a fender bender last month in your car? You know, I, I think I think there's that, that's an interesting conversation for people to have. But, you know, you, you think, you know, you're together on things and happy for the other and supportive, but there's always got to be the respect of checking in and talking to each other, I'm assuming. That's what you know, really for most people would work. But there's got to be that level. Why are you telling me about buying a stupid app? I'm not interested in that. That's it.
3: Well, this is probably almost a bit cliche, maybe this article a little less brilliant than I thought, because you touched on the next question, (laughs) which is what is your process for budgeting (laughs) and figuring out how your future spouse currently budgets their funds, whether it's through a codified budget or via a more... Freeform approach can help you guys create uh, create a uh, more open uh, and agreed upon split of money. This is where I actually have to ask you guys, because I struggle with this a mm. little bit. Do either of you have an accessible budgeting solution that you can recommend?
2: Nope. The one that's in my head. Um, You know, Grant, and it's funny because I'm sure this is the conversation everybody jumps to before those other steps ahead because they'd be not comfortable necessarily to ask some of those other questions that, that you've covered. But it's easier to say, so what's your responsibility and what's mine? Mm-hmm. And and we're and start from there, and that unfortunately is where all those things come out. Well, you know, I don't really have a lot. Why not? Well, my wasn't really taught how to budget. Oh no, we find out so many things. I would imagine at that point that people just don't feel comfortable. Rum, do you have a suggestion for him?
1: I was just going to say there are resources that could be helpful. Um, there's this app called Every Dollar all in one word and that was quite accessible when i tried it the only thing is i do want to put this caveat out there that no matter how you budget it takes extra time at the end of the (laughs) week at the end of the month whatever it is that you're doing yes oh yeah takes extra time, and there's nothing that'll budget for you in the way that you want to budget, the the way that you imagine budgeting would be. There's nothing out there that'll do all of it for you without you having to take the extra steps to say, okay, this is what I'm allocating to this um, account or this, you know, uh, like, how do you say, category of budget, right? You have to do that, and you have to sit with your money, your partner, whoever's involved, and do it but there are apps that could help you, and sometimes your bank itself has a budgeting app. Yes. So, check well, for I know, it. I know my that bank TD does. has a
2: bunch of that. Yeah, yes. and so does BMO. I've noticed that on the app. Uh, I avoid it like the plague. But you know, it's it's one of those <laughs> things that you really do have to dedicate that time, and make sure it's a must, and and how important it is. Grant, thank you, sir. Excellent item to <sighs> talk about.
3: If only there is a budgeting app that would generate unlimited money.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much yourself, man. Oh there yourself. you go Brilliant really <laughs> We're going to step aside for a moment That was Grant Hardy talking to us Lifestyle health and accessibility of course Greg David he's here to chat TV with us And this week he breaks down the top Five British detective TV shows Available We'll talk to him in a moment
0: Stick around and learn
2: something new Kelly and Ramya return with more In a moment Do yourself a favor and catch the pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10:30 a.m. Pacific time. This week, Jody, uh, Joeda, excuse me, speaks to Alexa and Jacqueline Child, co-founders of Datability, a dating app designed exclusively for people with disabilities. That's the pulse with Joeda Gutta this Thursday at 1:30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10:30 a.m. Pacific on AMI Audio also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan.
1: Every other Wednesday opposite Margaret Weldon, we talk television with Greg David. He's our communication specialist. Let's bring him on.
0: I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment.
1: Greg, this is going to be an enlightening conversation for me because I don't watch enough of this at all. In fact, I'm not even sure if I really like this genre, but for this is very popular, so I'm curious about it. One of the ever-expanding television genres out there is the British Mystery Series, and this is usually available on uh, basic cable as well as specialty channels and streaming services, so we're going to dig into some of them. Do you want to start off by outlining exactly what a British Mystery is because it's not the... Show from England, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh and welcome back, uh Ronnie. We've you. missed you. I thought we were gonna have to do a name change there. Um if you if you spent a couple more days away, yeah. we're gonna have to rethink the branding of the show. Um, but you're right. The British drama or the British mystery isn't is just as simple as something from uh, Britain. Um Deborah Yo, who's a veteran writer at the Toronto Star, actually wrote a great story about TV trends uh, at the end of twenty twenty two, and she referred to these as cozy British dramas, and that's because because they have humorous moments they're lighter in tone uh they're filmed in a small town which we're going to get into with a few of these shows and they tend to be you know they're not gory even though there might be a murder committed there isn't a lot of blood and guts now that said there are a couple of shows that we're going to get to at the end they're a little bit more dark but for the most part when you talk about a british mystery that's what we're talking about
2: and there's some that of course greg as, as normal especially if they have longevity are quite popular so a uh, 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 Popular example would be Midsummer Murders. Tell us a little bit more about this video
0: yeah this show is crazy there are 23 seasons of midsummer murders uh, so wow. many seasons that actually the original uh, detective it started out in 1997 with John Nettles playing DCI Tom Barnaby. It's been on so long now that they've actually he's left the show and uh, and uh, actually I think he passed away uh, if he hasn't I apologize John but uh, they've got a new they've got a new lead actor. Uh, they investigate crimes in the fictional midsummer area of England it's based on the crime novels of Caroline Graham, but it's gone way past that. Like I said, they're on season 23, and there were not 23 books written in uh, in, the, uh, in the, the book series. Uh, the most recent episodes of Midsummer Murders uh, uh, star Neil Dudgeon, and he's in the starring role of DCI John Barnaby, and so he's the nephew of Tom, and those episodes are available on BritBox, so if you do have access to BritBox, you pay a little bit extra per month, you can check it out there, uh, but if you go to an Amazon Prime Video. There are a bunch of seasons that are available there. And in some cases, Described Video is available too.
1: Yeah, um, let's keep mentioning Described Video. So you've talked yeah. about Death in Paradise before. Uh, tell us more about that series and also if it's available in AD.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So death in paradise, that that tracks crimes being solved by a British detective and the local police in the fictional small Caribbean Island of St. Marie. Uh, and there's a lot of humor involved because the British detective is a fish out of water. Uh, he's on this Island of sun and surf. So in the past, um, and this is another show that has several, has had several British detectives over the years. I think they're on the sixth detective now. And in every case, you know, they make fun of him being pasty white and burning, uh, you know burning on the beaches of of this small island uh, he's learning his way around the french way of life there and uh, actually the most recent star of the show posted on instagram where he made fun of the fact that each episode starts with a murder and is very dramatic and then it jumps into the show's funky island inspired jaunty theme <laughs> music and uh, so he made fun of that and was putting some fake words to it like oh we're on an island and people are dying and so uh there are 12 <laughs> seasons of Death in Paradise available again on BritBox. You can access it through its own uh, app. Or on Amazon Prime, uh, you'll find it in described video in some seasons as well there. And if you can't get enough of Death in Paradise, there's a spinoff series coming later this year called Beyond Paradise, and that follows one of the past Death in Paradise detectives who's gone back to England and he's solving crimes in small town England uh, with some help from his fiance. So you know, even though you might have left the island, there's still a, there's still space for you to small crime uh, solve crimes in small town England. Wow.
2: It blows my mind the amount of seasons for these series that we're talking about right yeah. now. It rem- yes. Like they either are really good or kind of like Canadian TV, like the Beachcombers, and it just stays around forever. <laughs> he-
0: yeah, uh, well, I, I, you know, I did want to say though also Kelly, you bring up a really good point. British seasons of television are very different from seasons of television shorter, in Canada they? and the US. Yeah, so there'll be 6 or 8 seasons uh per season as opposed to the 22 that we're used to for, you know, comedies uh and, and dramas down in the US. So a little shorter. bit of a different episode count. Yeah, yeah, but that keeps right. the shows fresh, I think.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and a lot more investment that can could be applied to them or at least getting more shows out there let's um speaking of the american content let's switch to pbs yeah uh, for the next two shows Be, both do feature described video tell us a little bit about father brown mysteries and Grandchester.
0: Yeah, uh, these are both uh, set in the 1950s, so period dramas. Father Brown Mysteries, uh, when we catch up with that show, England is still suffering the effects of the Second World War, and Father Brown is a local priest in the fictional town of Kimbleford, and he finds himself solving the town's biggest crimes. I guess when he's not preaching, he's solving (laughs) crimes. Uh, Mark Williams is the lead on this. Monday to Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Williams uh, plays the lead. He plays Father Brown, and he's fantastic. He's a very caring character, as you'd expect. Uh, he's caring to those who've committed the crimes and why they did it. So that one's a little bit different. Very, very light in tone, um, suitable for uh, for all audiences, you know, multi-generational. Uh, and Grantchester's also set in the 50s. A lot of similarities hmm. to Father Brown. Um, this one is about a young local vicar. So we've got a father in one show and a vicar in the other, and he teams up with the veterans small-town police detective to solve crimes. Uh, the vicar, whose name is Will, he's upstanding and flawed, as is Geordie the cop. And uh, over the last few seasons, uh, the seventh just concluded on PBS but is available in reruns. They've covered a lot of different angles. Um, they've discussed PTSD. Geordie served as a soldier uh, in the in the Second World War, and so there's been some that, some stuff that he's dealt with. They've also dealt with alcoholism, divorce, adultery, and adoption. Um, we've spoken about Grandchester before because Melissa Johns, an actress with a limb difference, uh, plays the secretary who works in the police station right. on uh, on mm-hmm. Grandchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me the fifties connection, and I don't know, Greg. I mean, I remember a lot of shows post Vietnam. Um, and we started to hear about post-traumatic stress. And mm-hmm. again, you wonder, even though everybody knew about it, and I, as an old radio show fan, can clearly point to people who were in wars, characters in these shows that have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, but not diagnosed or defined in the same way at all yeah. during the 1950s. So it's interesting how they tackle these things because, it, it, of course, later on in the 70s, th- there was that what it was. That And I'm not suggesting doctors didn't know what it was in the 50s, but I find it interesting because to relate to the audience, us today, how they work these things in and define it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point, Kelly. Because you know, as you know, shell shocked was the term that they used to use right. um, for, for, for soldiers, yes. right? Yes, and yep. and like you said, that and that would be that was the terminology that they used on Grandchester when they referred to Geordie's. Uh, and Geordie had a friend who was a fellow veteran that met up with him, and they talked about sh- being shell shocked. They didn't refer to it as PTSD, but yeah, it is mm-hmm. interesting. As you know, even on a on a on a cozy drama like Grandchester, they. You know, they're not afraid to to talk about, you know, and make themselves uh, relatable to the the audience that's watching in 2023.
2: Mm. Yeah. And finding that way for us to buy into that discussion that somebody is saying, oh, they weren't talking about that. But that's a great point about shell shock, because that's so true of what it was called, even though it went beyond being shell shocked.
1: Greg, uh, more of the British mystery. So shifting over to CBC Gem, we have two British dramas that are considerably darker in tone. And you mentioned this at the start of the segment. So Sherlock is an award-winning series that launched Benedict Cumberbatch's career. And uh, do you want to talk more about that?
0: Yeah, happy to. I mean, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch became like a household name as a result of Sherlock. Mm. Uh, it, this is a contemporary version of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle classic. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played Sherlock Holmes. And uh, and it was interesting, a very visual show. When they were breaking down, you know, how he went through his thought process, there were a lot of graphics and visuals that would, would, um, would show up on screen to kind of show how meticulous and how quickly his mind worked. And uh, Sherlock is teamed with Dr. John. Watson, who was played by Martin Freeman, and actually, uh, going back to what we were talking about with PTSD, Dr. John Watson, played by Martin Freeman, he was a soldier from Afghanistan, and so there were some instances where they actually acknowledged that, and him suffering from PTSD, it stopped him from working, and that's how he ended up running into uh, Sherlock Holmes in the first place. He wasn't able to hold a job, and uh, the two of them teamed up. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, in this case, is a consultant to Scotland Yard. It's set in modern-day London. And, and um, contrary to the shows we've already talked about, Sherlock is definitely more violent, yes. uh, sometimes scary. I remember when my step-sons were younger, we would watch it together. And as uh, you know, so we were watching some of the storylines, I was like, oh, I don't know whether they should actually mm-hmm. be watching this. But they really, really ended up liking it. And I don't think that they're scarred too badly from that. No. Um, they <laughs> watched can...
2: worse. yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. yeah. It, which you is interesting watch... because the original story. Sherlock. All the yeah. Sherlock, I always found so boring. It was the suggestion of the violence or or the depth yeah. of, of well, the criminal. Not this series. You didn't see it.
0: Yeah, Basil Rathbone playing the uh, the iconic role of Sherlock Holmes. No, this is yes. a very modern take, a very gritty take uh, from the same guy uh, that, uh, that brought back Doctor Who and made it a more gritty series. He's the same guy behind Sherlock. Unfortunately, we only have four seasons available on CBC Gem, and the reason why is because Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman are both huge stars. Benedict in particular is a massive star and he doesn't have time to do this. So there's no word on season five. Oh. He has said in interviews that the door is open to it, but they just haven't been able to schedule any, anything yet. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Sherlock, it's on CBC gem and well worth watching.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, Let's squeeze your last one in here. Uh, we have a couple of minutes. The last series that you want to talk about is Luther starring interest. El- El- Elba, um, amazing actor.
0: Yeah. Luther, the darkest of the shows that I'm talking about today. Mm -hmm. This is a psychological mystery series. There are five seasons and Idris Elba plays Detective Chief Inspector John Luther. Uh, In the first season season, he's working for the serious crime unit in London. He's deeply flawed, obsessed with solving crimes at any cost. He has no personal life because he's so addicted to his job. And in the first season, he actually teams up with a female serial killer who he attempted to arrest, but there wasn't enough evidence on her. And they have this, weird psychological twisted relationship and he actually turns to her for advice when it comes to solving some crimes so yeah definitely um this is not for kids uh, but idris elba just a wonderful actor and uh in addition to uh, some seasons of luther on cbc gem there's also a, a feature film uh that came out and is available on netflix as well
1: so greg do you have any idea how popular because we know that the, the networks are picking these up still and some very similar Um, like CBS I think was the example right where two very similar shows were on Mm -hmm. like how well are these watched in Canada
0: Oh, wow. They're consumed internationally and certainly Canada no different. I mean, we love our our dramas. We love our British shows. I think, you know, uh, and uh, and so it's a genre that that everybody loves the world over. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is my I mean, it was easy for me to come up with this topic to talk to you about because I watch all of these shows like this is the genre. You know, when I'm not catching Canadian programming that we talk about, yes. I'm watching this with this British programming and and my wallet shows it because I pay for all these streaming services.
1: And do you prefer this kind of investigation over the, like, the American
0: investigation? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I okay. mean, you know, from, from light to dark, I just really enjoy the storytelling. I, I just find that, uh, you know, with these shows, there's, there's some breathing room, there's some character development that's really interesting to me, as opposed to what tends to be a lot more watered down in the U.S.
1: Yeah, okay, sounds good. Spoken from a true TV critic. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Greg David joining us every other week to talk television. He's our communication specialist at AMI.
2: And in a moment, we've got Bill Shackleton joining us. We do this Wednesday through Friday. His segment's called The Buzz. He brings a few items for us to discuss. We shall begin that in two minutes. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. So I struggle with what I like more, you know, action pack kind of the private detectives or cops from the you know sixties and seventies that you know, talk tough and everything like that, or cliche have the dark humor, or these British shows that Greg is so you know in for and love that there a lot of them are Canadian made or that's something we produce. Uh, it's really interesting when you ask that question of Greg and that for him thumbs up mm. on these shows or ones made in Britain and the way they tell the story.
1: Yeah, and I guess, you know, you really have to ask somebody who watches enough of this, right? As he said, he's watched all the shows he's mentioned today, and that's just this section alone. We hadn't even gotten into any of the American investigation shows or police uh, dramas and things like that, but for me, I watch none of it, like absolutely none. So I'm always curious about other people's intrigue
2: by this. Yeah, it's stuff that... some It seems like you want something that moves along, and that's why I find it so funny about... Sherlock, and I get that it's not the same Sherlock that I'm thinking mm-hmm. Arthur Doyle back in the uh, 17, 1800s kind of thing, uh, or 1800s, excuse me. Um, I get that, and I know we always change things, especially with Sherlock. There's been generation uh, and different versions, but it's it's really interesting that that's the one that carries the most of that violence. Uh, here's a guy here who really enjoys that kind of British police procedure and stuff like that. We welcome in for the buzz, Bill Shackleton, one of your favorites, eh, Shaq? You're like, Greg, you enjoy all that.
4: Um, yeah, although I don't um, I don't watch it as much as I stream. I mean, I like the BBC produced tons and tons and tons of, and Audible has tons of detectives uh, mm. and, and horror things and all kinds of stuff that's really well produced. So you prefer the audio dramas? Yeah, I do. Oh, oh very definitely. Okay cool why yeah, do you definitely.
2: prefer the british procedure is it the way it's broken up and done and you can follow along better than the action and again as blind people uh, and billy and i being in a period of time where there wasn't the audio description there is now um the felt did you feel this left out that all it was was car explosions
4: and stuff i think the british um they, they tend i don't like the maybe not sophisticated is maybe not the right word but it's they're 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 not just shoot them shoot them up and bullets and things like this. I think there's a little more to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're a little more mm-hmm. involved, and maybe that's what makes me. Um, th- they're maybe more complicated in some ways, so yeah. it, it you don't figure out, you know, it's not blood and guts. Right.
2: I, I you know what I mean? I, I always felt they relied much more on a script, an intellectual, if you want to call I it think script. So. Again, no offense, folks, to anybody who's a yeah. fan of any yeah. of the other genres around the world. That's all preference in, uh, at the end uh, of produce. the day. It is, but I think that sometimes, too, budget called it into play. Oh, you oh know? I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the US stuff could do all sorts of things in other parts of the world. Maybe the UK, Canada were a little more conservative. We know we were here in Canada with what we could produce. So maybe that mm-hmm. uh, had some bearing. Billy, where are we starting today as you bring us some items to talk about? We never know where you're going to go with these. You just bring them in and we chat.
4: Well, we're talking about poisonous flowers. Actually, this is um, choosing safe valentine flowering plants for your pet parent. So essentially, if you're uh, sending your sweetheart a potted plant or a flower, make sure it's safe. So basically these are going to talk about these some of these flowers that are poisonous to your cat and your and your dog. I mean, um, we're gonna go from worse to uh, the most poisonous to the to the least. Okay. okay. Um so basically in 2021, the ASPCA in the US received more than 31,500 calls that pertain to, of course, around Valentine's Day, because people were sending plants and dogs were in... And in, chocolate, yes, and, things in, like chocolate right. and things like that. Chocolate and things like that, sure. So some of these plants that you really want to be aware of, and we don't even think, I mean, we oh, I'll just send this person a plant. And you don't think that how poisonous these things could be. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> starting with lilies... Um, if ingested, they can cause ki- kidney issues um, in cats, interesting enough, but not dogs. They can cause upset stomach, and the bulbs contain um, toxins, gold blood pressure, and convulsions. Wow. That's the next very the...
1: serious, but only for cats, right? Not yeah, And I don't know why that would be.
4: I don't know why. But yeah. we've
2: discovered that, Bill. We've went over a list of things, especially foods, and they're very different of what a yes. cat can consume. And, and again, I'm sure uh, our veterinarian, Danielle Jonkin, would say, guys, there's very obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but never mind. Carry
3: yeah, on just, with the list.
4: Just try to remember some of these
1: lists.
2: Exactly.
4: Okay, go ahead. Well, the, the the next on the list said that are not as bad, chrysanthemums, gladioli, and daisies, roses, and orchids. Now, the thing about roses is, of course, the thorns. So, the article is recommending that you take the thorns out <clears throat> so they don't, you know, get into your dog's or cat's mouth or whatever. Makes sense.
1: Bro, my mom uh, has a rose bush right at the front of her yeah, lawn. I it is absolutely uh-oh. the worst position to have a rose bush if you need to get to her front door with your dog. I know. And I don't. Yeah,
2: I've definitely had to. Well, Even humans, it's hard because oh, yeah. you never get your hand ripped by a thorns oh, on a rose brutal. bush. Oh, it's man, brutal! Oh man, you love it and say, "Oh, I think there's a rose bush over." Oh, yeah.
1: but there and he again, is. like it's totally beautiful and very aesthetic yeah. to have it right at the front, right? And you can admire it, of course. But when you have a dog, or if you have, you know,
2: yeah, people and who have to pass by. <laughs> And Billy, these are flowers that everybody's sending. So it is kind of something to keep in mind. Yes, and be they're potted, because... right? Yeah, you can even, and, part of this
4: can even just be placement, like where you put well, it. Well that's it. Yeah. And well, I'm gonna but
2: I'm they're, gonna the, they're the they're about... the most common at this time of the year. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead, Bill. Yeah.
4: I'm gonna talk about that the placement because the problem is that um of course you, you want to put these plants out of reach, but the problem is a cat is much yeah, more agile than there. a dog. Mm-hmm. A cat'll mm-hmm. jump on the fridge or yeah. a cattle jump from the counter to the fridge or the windowsill easy yeah, spots the window sill. yeah the windowsill that's right um so what i mean i with the articles if you don't if if when in doubt don't don't send don't send the plants i mean i, I yeah. don't know um you know as i say these are things that nobody thinks about when they send it mhm yeah any other ones yeah. on the list billy um while they were talking about Um, um, what, yeah, spider plants, rattlesnake plants, and okay, parlor never heard of these, but they are the I was gonna say, Wow. yeah, right, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and um, you know, succulents, right? A lot of succulents Mm -hmm. are actually not great for dogs and cats, so if you can,
2: but they're (laughs) tempting for them, I'm sure, because they're so fleshy, yes,
4: yeah, Yeah. cool, Billy. Um, Let's go to the next one, which is kind of really find interesting. Speaking about technology, retailers are trying to curb theft while not angering shoppers. Mm -hmm. So basically, businesses and retailers, these are all from the Associated Press. So basically, businesses and retailers have been putting items under lock and key as a quick way to stop thefts um it's interesting apparently i wasn't able to find out what the smash and grab rate is but there has been a huge amount in the u.s of organized shop shoplifting and so the the retailers are saying well what are we going to do we're going to hire off-duty policemen um they're putting things in lock under lock and key but the problem is they're they're um they're stunting sales because people oh if it's not if it's if it's in the case I don't want to see it or I can't
2: touch it. like you yeah, know for I us that's a nightmare. It.
4: So yeah, so what do you do? Well, there's a couple of really interesting innovations. Um lobes apparently. What they've done is they've got a situation where if you buy a power tool, it on un- they'll unlock it when you bought it. So I guess you can't use it. And if it's stolen, you can't. I don't know how Ah, that is.
1: Kind of like um, those other devices that they put on clothing and hats and whatever, right? Like, oh, is that right? Yeah. You know, like the security tags.
2: Yeah. And I think also with some of these things, Billy, especially anything electronic, you know, it's like the, you know, conking the the ignition. I guess so. So that you Um, can't, there's ways of doing that and having, so that if you don't have it uh, undone, Uh, so that it can be utilized Mm -hmm. unguarded you you can steal it all you want the best you're going to do is take it apart
4: yeah um another interesting thing that people are doing is they call it the freedom case so what happens is you register your cell number with the store and they will give you a four digit a digit code that you can open the case So that's Hmm. another really interesting... I've never heard of that before. And if you don't have the code, you can't
1: open the case to get to your case.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they're able to register you so they keep track of you. So if something disappears from one of these cases, they can be calling all of you up at home. Again, I'm not sure what evidence you need to give. Obviously, your ID and so on, how they can be sure you're not walking with a fake ID, but that's better than nothing. This is an attempt. And how many people are getting away with doing that if you come in you show your id there's ways they can as much as possible yeah. confirm that before giving you said code
1: because the, the root of this is that they can't just put everything behind lock and key right no. like in the stores so which no. is why things are being stolen
2: yeah yeah, yeah. it's like well, it would be like going to look at things at a vault you know in a <laughs> place of vaults right it's <laughs> exactly. like hey yeah because i think guys, of the jewelry store you know
1: you can't really get yeah. to anything no, and again, under you understand
2: it there, but headsets and things like that. Yeah. we asked. I asked Brock the other day on the show if he noticed this when he went shopping. He says definitely noticed that more stuff is like that. Oh, it's and absolutely I remember true. shopping, and it drives me nuts when things are. What do you mean? I can't check these out to see what they're like. Video it's games, enough, it's like everywhere, everywhere things yeah. are behind glass. Yeah, especially video games. It's just too easy. We were talking. Baseball cards and stuff like that. Yep. How easy is it to take those? And and people think, oh, it's just a stupid old baseball card. Yeah, not if you have something that's, you know, got somebody on that card or like LeBron James right now, his card this year, you know, pretty valuable things.
1: Yeah, the reselling is obviously the biggest reason to kind of stop this yeah. stuff,
4: right? Billy, we have time to squeeze one more in. Well, we can squeeze one uh, one more. There's a city in California that um, is, is basically want you to stay home um there are they have a problem with poppies um oh. so basically what's happening is that 4 years ago um they were they were infested and there was a canyon and what happened was people would stop their cars and they would take selfies and basically um they would block up roads they would uh, mm. people emergency vehicles couldn't get through um so they decided that this year although the poppy is not as bad yet. There are a lot of, in this, I think it's the city of Elsinore, and basically what it is, is they are saying, if you come to this city, you could be arrested.
2: Oh, for doing um, any it's, of these things.
4: Yeah, it's a mess. It apparently yeah. was a mess, and there was garbage all over the place, and, and people were just... You couldn't go anywhere. This, the whole mm. city was basically... It was like a big snowstorm, except it wasn't. It was it wasn't snow, of course, but you couldn't go anywhere. People couldn't shop. They couldn't go to work because of all that. Because you know, people these poppy the visitors. (laughs) And and again,
2: I laugh, but it's not funny when you talk about emergency vehicles not being able to get the garbage. Then somebody's got to clean that up. It's wonderful you've got this tourist trade, but then you also hope. Well, I hope you're buying something here and 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 paying into the city, and you know you're using up our roads and you know creating resources of of needing people to go clean up after you. Buy something at least.
4: Mm. Well, I don't th- I don't think they were buying. I th- the problem that they have, of of course, is they were just looking and stopping and looking and taking pictures. They weren't buying, interested in buying anything at all. They were just a, just the a, the idea of this huge swarm of poppies. I mean, you know, like, you know, they were, I don't think they were contributing to the city at all, to no, the income of the city. Like it. But no, no, I mean, it doesn't sound like it. But, I mean, part of that
1: accountability, does it not fall on the city, you know, to know how to harness it or deal Police with it? it? Because what are they saying now? Don't come? Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't think what, that's going to work. What are you going to no hit offense. people
2: with in that charge? You know, you came to town for a visit. We're taking yeah. you in.
1: Here, uh, Billy, pay a toll price to get into the city. Like, do something.
2: Catch you tomorrow, yeah. pal. We're out of time. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow. You betcha. Bill Shackleton with us for The Buzz right here Wednesday to Friday. We do it here on the program. Folks, if you're looking for something to do on BC's Family Day weekend, Graham Fox, uh, crop from the Vancouver Eclipse hockey team, has some info, great fun outing for the whole family. Business planning is easier than you think, and it's easy to get started. Entrepreneur Kevin Shaw will be with us shortly to explain. Up next, our committee reporter uh, Marisa Meiser will be here to tell us about some all about some news in uh, New Brunswick for us. We'll be right back in just a moment. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.